Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Looking to upgrade your business with a new van but not looking to compromise? Then look no further than the Ford Transit range. From the award-winning custom plug-in hybrid to the new active trail and transit 5-ton. Need a new pickup? Then check out the multi-awarded Ford Ranger. And with 221 upgrade offer, save up to €6,500 and get a low-rate APR on selected models. Ford Commercial Vehicles. Search Ford.ie. Lending criteria conditions apply. Participating dealers for selected models ordered by the 31st of December and registered by the 31st of March. Business hire purchased by Bank of Ireland Leasing Limited. Trading is Ford Credit. Dealer charges may apply. Ownership remains with Ford Credit until the final payment is made. Warning, you may have to pay charges if you repay early in full or in part a fixed rate credit facility. Welcome to the Dope Black Dads podcast, a place where we are changing the narrative and having progressive conversations about black fathers, as well as creating a safe digital space for the community. This is the Dope Black Dad podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison. This is the award winning Dope <laughs> yeah. Black Dads podcast. Marvin, how does it feel to be award winning? I mean, the fact that we beat Cookie Monster and, and Big Bird and and Yo, Crouch and all those other Sesame Street characters. I think, yeah, that's that's definitely going on my on my CV. <laughs> you know, that's the only reason why I'm emotional. So, if anyone doesn't know, we won a, a Webby Award, which is quite a big industry award uh, for all online content of all formats, and we won Best Podcast Kids and Family. Um, but the bit, the bit that really got me emotional is that we beat Sesame Street. And me growing up, Sesame Street was the biggest thing in the block. So, my inner child is loud right now. What do they say when your heroes become your rivals? Or like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I just become your rivals. <laughs> that's it. That's what happened. <laughs> that's that real talk, boy. The, the thing is, yeah, it's like, do, do, I don't know how you internalize the podcast because we obviously do this and we just talk anyway and we obviously are friends. But yeah. like, it, does it ever feel different when, when those things happen? Does it mean anything different to you? I mean, it, yeah, I think it's a good point. I was thinking of the same with the same kind of issue. Like from my side, you know, we just record a podcast. We're just having a conversation as we do. And I forget that people are going to listen to it sometimes and they're going to get value from it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it does seem quite surreal, but it's nice to know that it's acknowledged that it does provide value for people and that they do benefit from it because otherwise it'll just be us having a conversation and, and no one will get anything from it. That's so real. You know, what's funny is I feel like, cause I've had, we've had a like, incredible year 
last two years, but everyone in Dope Black is doing really, really, really well. Personally, well, I'll say personally, but like in their actual professional life and in, sure. in Dope Black. So like there's a lot of joy and success and winning that's going on and around. And I don't think anybody stops to be like, hey, yeah, we've done sure. something cool. Yeah. Um, and it just becomes a natural way. Then, then you start getting fancy and you're like, well, yeah, this is what we do. And you just forget yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that exactly. you need to celebrate yourself. Like, yeah, of course I did yeah. that. Yeah. We brought down a major company who was racist. Yeah, we did that. So what? <laughs> Like, yeah. maybe we should celebrate those things. <laughs> uh, what have you been up to anyway? Because no, I haven't seen you. And and so, by the way, the podcast that you did when I was I was on holiday was out of this world. Oh, I was thoroughly enjoying. Thank you hum- humbled. Yeah, bro. The, te- the teaching one about the the guy with uh, from Birmingham was just there was oh, so many God. nuggets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't lie. It felt daunting without you being here, knowing that we had to hold down the fort with this with this award winning podcast. But yeah, me and Autis came together <laughs> with with the help of Chloe as well. And I think yeah, I mean, we just we just knuckled down, and I think it just shows that it works. I think the success of an idea or of a business is that when it can work when you're no longer there. So mm. the fact that you were able to step away and have your you know have your retreat and it still worked and we still executed it, I think shows that you've left something that yeah that that has it has made its mark. My G, man. the mantle for you what, whenever you need us to. What was the second one about again? I'm trying to remember now. It's just eluding me. What was so the that was, it was about mortality. That was, yeah. Yeah, that was quite a heavy one. Yeah, wow. That was, that was interesting. I mean, yeah. I, I think I mentioned on the podcast as well. Like I had no idea how it was going to go. It's a little daunting because you don't really have conversations about mortality. Yeah. But it flowed nicely. And I think it just shows me that we can normalize those conversations and have them with our friends, with our family, with our loved ones. And it shouldn't be such a, like a hurdle and something so awkward. It should be yeah, something that we should normalize. Yeah. Bro, but, I, but how, how was your retreat how was, how it was, was it? so good man I, it's, yeah. a, it's a weird one so if anyone doesn't know I went uh, I went and learned Vipassana meditation and it, it's in a Dharma Pataka center uh, the one I went to was in South Africa and is in Western Cape really beautiful surroundings like I posted a picture of it on my Instagram and yeah. I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a sec but like that that visual has such depth and meaning to me I'm going to get it put up in my house because it just literally it brings back the most powerful memory. So uh, Dharma Pataka Center is a place that hold, that teaches you about Vipassana meditation. Now, I'm not going to try and to go into detail about what that is because one, I think it's really nice to discover those things for yourself and go out and, sure. and actually find it taught by the people who do this all the time. But also I feel like there's something about the discovery in the moment of it. Like you can figure out what Vipassana is because there probably is online and it's really ever. But some of the true deeper values of Vipassana, I'm not, I don't want to ruin it for people, but it's an incredibly beautiful and very simple concept um, about meditation uh, and how to do it and do it powerfully. But it was just one of those things where I think I was so busy, tired. Uh, so like going in, I was, I was unwell like mentally and physically for sure. And it's something that I I say quite candidly, but I knew, like, and I accepted that I had made myself unwell. And I, in my mind, I was like, if I can get through two more months, then I could really take a break. And in those two months, so many fires were happening and so many things were going on that I just wasn't really happy with, that it was actually accelerating negativity by trying to do it in a time where... You know, and it's, and, and I think about it and I think in my meditation, in my, in a reflection of one of my meditations, I understood where the beginning started for me. And so in, I want to say March, so COVID just started. So this is March 2020. And it was really, really interesting because 
my friend, like COVID has started and people, people had, had things have been going on, but it never, it wasn't landing. It felt very much out there, very abstract. Sure. And then my friend rang me and he's just a very similar friend, just like you, someone that you just love and appreciate. And you're just like, I, I like this person and I've known him for like 10 years, maybe longer okay. now, maybe yeah. close to 12 years, but I just really love this person. And I used to, I, I hate going to South London. I'm sorry for South London people. When I go, I treat it like I'm going, like, like I'm going abroad. Like I treat it like I get there. I ring everyone I know that's from South and be like, I'm in South. Who is yeah, around? Yeah. I don't plan to be back. And so, um, I would go see him in South and his mum would be in the kitchen and one of those super jovial, warm, loving black mothers where you're just like, yeah. the, the, when we think of the archetype of black mother, when we say my mum's amazing, we think of that type sure. of woman. And so yeah. she would always be in the kitchen. She's like cooking, make, do you want anything? Offering you so many things. And you're just like, no, oh, I'm cool. I'm all right. Dinner's on the table yeah. if you want it. Um, <laughs> and then we'll go play football and then I'll come back. And these are like 10, 15 minute increments. But you know, when sure. like, you know, a woman like that exists, yeah, it makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even need to speak to her and it has an impact yeah exactly yeah. yeah and and so i suppose we all probably have those somewhere like an aunt or someone but she felt like that and so he rings me in march and says his mum's passed away and i and i remember the moment he told me and it was from covid the moment the moment he told me i felt my body harden right sure like i, I it, and, and the only way i can explain it is it is it you know in those terrible programs where they, people turn into stone and, they sh- and it feels like it's a gradual, terrible graphic effect. Yeah. I felt my my body like literally just like hold and tense up. And I was so, so devastated. And I, re- I remember I remember crying uh, afterwards and I cried for about 20 minutes. And then I was like, Do you know what? Yeah. I need to get out of this house because at that point, nobody could leave their house. I was at that point, whenever that was, yeah. it might have been April. And I remember saying like, I- I'm leaving that house. And I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. So I'm, I'm going out right now. So I, I headed out, went to the park and I was walking, walking, walking around. And I just remember feeling like, like, but, but why? And it reminded me of my godmother who passed away when I was like 12. And she was like the happiest, warmest. You know when like you have the good godparents and everyone's yeah. like, your godparents are the best. And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> they are the best. And, like, yeah. and so when she passed away and she passed away from cancer, I, I really, it really like changed how I see the world. And I remember that moment. And so that happened. And I think I just lost, I lost a, a bit of empathy that day. Okay. Yeah. And, and I put some armor on to, to get through some, through some things. And it was really, really yeah. troubling me. So, so that happened. And then, uh, maybe two months after my, my grand passed away and we, we ultimately watched her pass away. So she, she had, I think it was Alzheimer's, uh, or, you know, but her memory was going and she couldn't really remember us at point. So you watched that decline happen over, a, over a few months. And, and, and at that point we knew it was starting to get sad and bad. And, and there was probably a, a shorter timeline on it. And I think we wanted her to, to make it to her birthday, but I don't think she didn't actually in the end. She passed away right at the beginning of maybe beginning mid-May. And so we, we were counting down this process with my gran. And I remember, you know, we'll see her almost every day. And like, I remember there was one day where she, she was pretty bad. And then she, she just started busting joke, like out of nowhere. So she doesn't, she, her memory, her memory wasn't great. And she was almost pretty much very still and wasn't saying very much. And then just one day she just came out perked up and was just like busting joke with us. And we were like, yo, she's going to get better. All we have to do is (laughs) be here because like clearly our presence and you think you're defying science, but 
you know, I don't want to characterize what, I, what 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 was happening, but I think what it felt like what was happening was it was like the last burst of energy, one of the last bursts yeah, of energy right. that you may have. And so, and then when she finally passed away, I I couldn't I couldn't cry, and I felt I felt that feeling again. I just got a little bit harder, a little bit more of a shell on, you know, get through it all. And in fact, I think I think that hardness turned into anger at that point. It was. It wasn't like just sadness. It was. Yeah, it was real anger. Like, and obviously, you you said you've gone through loss. Did, does any of that resonate with you? Like, have you? How did yeah, you process I mean, it? One hundred percent. I think like this reminds me of a story when you mentioned about your godmother passing when you were when you were twelve. Hmm. Um, I think when I was eleven. Um, I obviously I had my father in my life, but other than my father, I've got two older sisters, hmm. and they they were like my idols growing up. You know, my sisters are um, respectfully they're like, one's ten years older than me, and one's like seven years older than me. So it was quite a big gap. And um, with with my sister, who's seven years older than me, she had a boyfriend at the time who was like my older brother. That's how I saw him. I knew him for, I mean, you know, when you're younger, things last forever. But it was probably about a year or maybe just so over a year. <laughs> Um, but yeah, one time, one day my sister came home. I never forget. She came home on the Sunday and she was just crying. And I'd never seen my sister crying. She was crying, crying. My mm. other sister was with her, brought her home. And she just found out that her boyfriend had been murdered at the wow. time. So I was, I was just 11 and I just found out that he'd been, he'd been murdered. I'd been talking to him on a Friday. We'd been planning things we're going to do, go play football, go do this and that. And then I just, yeah, I found out that, that he had died. And exactly the same thing happened. I think from 11 years old, I felt myself kind of putting on a suit and saying, okay, you know, life isn't fair, you know, and mm. I cried at the time. And then after that, I just thought, you know, what does crying do? What's the point in crying? Does it really change anything mm. when what's happened has happened? And then, like you said, other traumas and other issues that I experienced going on throughout my life just hardened that armor. Mm. And funnily enough, I think one of the things that helped to take the armor off was becoming a father. Because mm. you can't have the armor on anymore and be a father <laughs> and kind of do it successfully. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, as you said it, it just it just brought it back. And I mentioned in a, in an earlier podcast, I lost my mum about seven seven years ago now, mm. um, and she she also passed of cancer. And it was the same thing. Watching someone decline is is a very hard thing to go through, and you feel as though I need to be strong for that person in the moment, but you you can neglect yourself. And then when it's all said and done, and you now are moving on with your life, you realize you could be a bit colder, a bit harsher. And part of your heart kind of has died. So, yeah, I completely mm. empathise with, with what you're saying there. It is, it's a lot to go through. How did you feel your retreat helped? What, what was it able to do for you in terms of unpacking some of that? Yeah, so I think, I think, I, I think, because I, I think about the context of 2020. Yeah. So, yes, we had, we had like Armored Arbery, we had COVID, we had Amy Cooper, we had George Floyd, we had the protests, we had my friend's mum passing away, and then we had my grand passing wow. away. Yeah. And this this is all now, uh, this is basically March to June. No, January to June. All of those things. And I realized that I was starting to internalize these things in a really unhealthy way. Yeah. So I never watched George Floyd's The Video. I never watched it. Yes. Yeah, and I, don't, I think I, wa- I didn't watch all of Armored Aubrey. I saw him running or walking on the road yeah. and them chasing yeah. him. Then I turned that shit off. I watched yeah. Amy Cooper and there was something deeply triggering oh, yeah. about yeah. watching a white woman do that because I feel like I yeah. know that energy. And so I, I just realized that I'm, I was absorbing a lot of things, but I thought I was fine. 
and I never identified it at the time. I was like, when people would be like, oh, is Kahi doing with COVID? I was like, no, it's fine. You know, it's just normal for me. It's business as usual. Da, 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 da. Like really holding this, like, you know, I, I'm too tough to, to be impacted. And then, uh, so that's like June. Uh, and then the summer happens. And obviously still protesting. So I'm on TV. I'm doing talks. I'm doing speeches sure. up Black Lives Matter. Uh, protest rallies I'm doing press every day I'm talking about how to teach talk to your kids about racism I'm talking to like I'm just doing all this stuff we were hosting zoom calls at one point every day we were working on a thing called all black coalition which was about bringing all the black movements together under one banner Uh, and I was doing that that was two days a week then I was doing this other thing which was about defining language of anti-blackness and so I was working on that every uh, every week so I was doing way too much plus I had a job (laughs) still at that point (laughs) and we launched Dope Black CIC so I'm doing all of this stuff and at that point it still felt amazing and it, and it didn't really feel like it was hit moving me or hitting me but I was just like you know it's cool man I can I can operate at that level if I have my tools if I have some safety if I know what I'm doing I can just like blah, blah, blah. so everything was like super light touch but responsible to a lot and then we got into September and the protests were winding down and companies were like asking me like Marvin you know we how do we do we want to change our company so I developed this thing in my head I was like look we could do <laughs> this is what happens when you ask me questions when I have a, a day of space I was like alright so what we're going to do is develop this thing called cultural transformation and what that looks like for companies around diversity equity and inclusion da, 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 da. Right, sure, so yeah. a month later I've launched another business so that's two businesses in four months <laughs> yeah. and I launched uh, Beloved and, and Beloved is my diversity equity and inclusion agency and we work with tons of global clients like Facebook and sure. uh, um, uh, Google and uh, Johnson and & Johnson and Acast and lots and lots of businesses. So we support them with like training and educating their company, consultancy insights. So we're launching this business and like as soon as I say I've launched it on LinkedIn, we've got 368 people who have joined oh. our webinar. We've got our diaries booked until December. So every day from between September and December, I'm doing like six to eight one hour consultation calls with different companies every day and so i'm working now 70 to 80 hours a week from then and then plus those black history month so obviously i'm everywhere again (laughs) (laughs) this this is a little ridiculous and then and then that carries on until the end of november because some people defer black history month from october to november and then christmas so i i get to Basically, the third week in December, and I'm I'm flat, like I got nothing, and I and I'm I'm trying my best to abandon tools, and the exhaustion. I probably was exhausted in the summer. By then, I was on minus, and so I'm just doing bare minimal. I'm starting to drink now. I'm like staying out so late to try and catch up with the rest of my days. I'm just not. I'm not doing great. I'm, I'm holding on with any vice that isn't illegal or deeply immoral, hugely possible to get through my days. And then I just decide that I'm going to South Africa. Like I'm, I, I need a break, but then I get to South Africa and a week in, I'm like, yo, this, this is like a hot Lambeth. Yeah. All the black people you can think of with all the intellectual, super pseudo, amazing, powerful black people in this sure. one country and there's three major cities that it's like going between like Southwark, Lambeth, Hackney and each one of them are just dope but in a different way so I'm going between Durban, Cape Town and Johannesburg and I'm like loving it and I'm like yo my team we have to get out here because if we don't bring Dope Black here properly we're doing ourselves a disservice so we end up launching Dope Black somewhere in the middle of December in South Africa 
So all of that is going on. And then December comes, and then I couldn't get back in, in and out of the country. I go back in January, and I'm now not only unwell, what I know now is that I'm, I'm depressed. Like, I'm actually depressed. It's now, it's now like, you know, I spoke to my therapist, and she says, it sounds like you're, you're in depression, Marvin. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, it can't, no. So what, so what was it that you say that you, you weren't able to identify? Was it because you were still, like, high-performing or... Yeah. Was it a distraction? Yeah, okay. Because because at the same time, we're like, I'm winning clients. We're winning yeah, awards. Yeah, definitely. Mm. People are being helped. We're producing amazing stuff. We're, we're just, we're, everything's running. Yeah. My interpersonal relationships are not perfect, but they're working. I have to like, I have to learn to adjust myself. Like, you know, I'm very informal. I'm very relaxed. Like, I, I'm always busting jokes, saying dumb shit. You know, I'm super chilled. But what I realized is, is obviously working across so many touch points, I just had to become more direct, more clear. Yeah. Like, all these things that I don't actually enjoy doing. Like, it doesn't make, it doesn't make me happy. I want to be yeah. my own version so, of a CEO. So, so would you say, in a way, was it like code switching? So you know where you have to, like you're saying, you have to assume a persona when you go into a room or engage in an interaction where you put in your true self in a box so you can be this... Not not character, but a persona that you needed to be to get the job done in that scenario. Yeah, and that's really depressing. You have to understand, like, I came from a corporate world where I decided in 2017 that I'm not doing that no more. And I, I, yeah. I, told, I made it clear I'm not going to be an act to jigaboo for people for, for, my, for my job. And so I got out of that, got into my own companies, and then I ended up having to adjust myself as to who I am yeah. so that people respected the professionalism that I had. Because I'm so chilled, I was like, when I say mad things were happening, I'm like, the, like some of the most disrespectful things I could ever think of were just happening. And I'm like, what's going on? Like last year was really happy and yeah. jovial. Yeah, but yeah. I have a view on it, but I don't want to. I don't want to throw people under the bus because not all the time those things were centered in me. They weren't about me. Yeah. They weren't like I did something, and, and it wasn't always about that. Sometimes things are going on. A lot of the stuff that I mentioned earlier in the year was happening for other people, yeah. and so I'm 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 not gonna throw anyone under the bus or make a deal out of it. But sure. there was some yeah. stuff happening where I was like, "This is wild." And it was, um, it didn't stop. It was getting more and more. And it got to a point where weekly, I'm just having to like draw lines of people and be very, very strict because I just think some of the stuff was just like not even in the spirit of what we were doing and not what we agreed to do, not even what we're about as an organization, not what I'm about. And, uh, you know, I don't like being that person. So already I'm, I'm more, I'm uncomfortable having to say those things, but it yeah. got to a point where it needed to be said. So that's all going on in December. So I come back January and I'm depressed. I'm like, I don't feel good. I'm not having fun. I'm not actually enjoying what I'm doing. I feel like I'm serving things and people and concepts, wherever that, wherever that may be, that aren't centered in me and, and who I am. I'm doing it for other people. And now it's coming at not only, you know, a cost of the things I want to do, but also a deficit. And so I get back in January from South Africa and I'm basically head down hiding. Like I'm hiding. I get back and I'm not, I'm not about, I'm not really saying much. I'm not really communicating. I'm just laying low. Uh, and then we lost three people in January. 
we lost we lost an, a, a friend from Dope Black Women uh, in the US group called Simone uh, Braciado, amazing woman. And we were just talking on Clubhouse all the time when Clubhouse was hot. Okay, yeah. And so we're talking on Clubhouse. She's talking about decolonize your your life and right, has to decolonize. Sure, yeah. And I'm like, yo, decolonize your life. How do you do that? And she goes, Marvin, it's a journey, and it's not something you can be taught. It's something that you have to look into your own life. And I was like, yo, we need to get you involved in things because that's the type of thinking we need. And literally, so we're talking about that from December to January. And then two days of silence. We don't see her on the app. And so she passes away. And I cried. I think I cried for everything, but I cried for about six days. Like it was brutal. And yeah, so, especially as you said that you had just been talking to her, it's like it was it was unfinished. You 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 know you're about to do so much together. Yeah, and just everyone I knew knew her. All the all the grown up people that I know and I rate all knew her, and it was just like seeing all the testimonies. And I put it in a group, and all these people were like, "No way, not her." And I and it, and it just compounds how much people mean, and it just really broke me again. And I think that that for me was a real that happened at the beginning of January, and I came back in the in the beginning middle middle to end of January, and then. Uh, I think a week and a half after that, someone from Dope Black Dad's South Africa, and this is someone who just, we're just messaging really super infrequently. I don't know him very well, but the whole group knew him and he really meant a lot. And it's the, it's just one of those people who has an incredible history in the black community in Johannesburg, you know, music, entertainment, lifestyle, culture. He's just one of those people that had done stuff and he was very much revered. And so he passed away about a week and a half, two weeks later. And then another friend of ours in our UK group, Samuel Mensah, passed away also uh, near the latter end, I think it was of January at that point. And, and I just remember sitting, maybe early February, but I remember sitting, I remember just sitting there in that time and just feeling like, this felt like a relentless onslaught of challenge. And this is when I now know, because I, I, when I say I was depressed when I came back, I didn't know I was depressed. I knew I was something, there was more, it was worse than what it was previously. And I only was able to potentially diagnose it in like, well, probably April of this year through my therapy sessions. And then, and then so we're almost getting back to it. So now, so, so January comes, that, that's still going on. And I'm basically just trying to hide my best and things are still going on, but I'm like, I, I won't even rise to the challenge of what those things are. I'm doing the bare minimum. So then Jan- January's done, February comes, and when UK's in lockdown again, which is that lockdown part three or four, or whatever this terrible country in terms of managing COVID um, has been about. I decide I'm going back to South Africa because we had a an investor who wanted to get involved in this this project we do called the Embassy, which is like a, a private members club for for, for yeah. the black community. And so we go back to run the Embassy, we get back and while, while we're there running the Embassy, uh, the person who was doing our healing and doing our, our, our meditation um, uh, and bringing that energy to us, uh, Vanessa, she's from South Africa. She's an incre- amazing woman, like incredible. She, she, well, she's doing a talk and throughout the talk, She's like, yo, uh, she says something like, oh, and people just need to realize that talking about the work is not doing the work. And I, and, and you know, sometimes he would say stuff that's relatively simple, yeah. but it lands with you. It's like, it was it timely. Yeah. And I was like, do you know what? I spend so much time saying to people what they should do and what I think and, you know, going on platforms and talking about these things that actually I haven't done much work in a while. Probably since the most intense work I'd done was in 2018 for, uh, I did Landmark and I did some therapy just before. But since then, not really much kind of spot therapy here and there, talking to counselors, which is a big difference. One day we'll do a session on counselors, therapists, psychotherapists, behavioral analysis, all those things because they're different and, and they, and they actually mean different things. So anyway, so I get to, I, I realized that. And then she talks about this Vipassana meditation, this 10 day silent retreat and. 
I'm like, I've heard about this because my brother-in-law does it, my mother-in-law does it, and my and my aunt on my on my wife's side does it as well. And I'm like, she, I was like, oh, okay, this is the thing. Because when they said it, I'm like, absolutely not. You guys are mad. Yeah. <laughs> but when yeah. when your life is in that space, you know, ther- therapy is sometimes quite a slow burn. It helps a lot, but it's not it's not um, it's not radical. It's quite it's it's quite a progressive a thing that you do. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and so I found. I found at that point that it was really important to just sign up. So I signed up and the first available date is like beginning of May. So now we're in maybe early April-ish or March, late March, or April, early, early April. And, and the thing's in May. So I've got six weeks to, to figure it out and to basically hold it down. And I'm just watching fires be created and things are happening that I can't explain. And so I'm just like, but I can't stop because everything's flowing at a super fast rate. So I spend like, <laughs> I remember put my out of office on to say that I'm like going on holiday and it basically was March, no, April. And I said, I'm not back until the end of June. Yeah. Because basically what I was trying to do is create space to take yeah, 10 days off. Yeah. So don't come to me with anything new. And everyone started freaking out. Like you can't go on holiday. How can you go on holiday? And don't tell. I was like, well, I'm not on holiday yet from you. I'm just on holiday from anything new. And things that I don't want to do. So you just, just, you know, relax. So anyway, so I'm doing that. And then, and then I get to the Vipassana and I, and the march into the Vipassana was, it, it was basically like, by that time I'm on fire. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I'm on fire. I'm like, is that yeah. bad? You may as well just put me in petrol, set me on fire and left me. Cause it's just, it's the decline is just now rapid and violent. And I'm just like, this is not going well. And if you don't get me in this damn retreat right now, like I will have nothing left. And so I, I get into the retreat and it's really interesting because immediately my fear was the silence. And, and, and that, and that's not, that's not the important thing. Like that's not the challenging and, and thing. How was it when you get there? Is it like, okay, silent from now or do they ease you into it? How, how does it work? So, so you arrive. Too much. No, no, no. So you, so you arrive. And you arrive on the Wednesday and then on the Wednesday you have to be in by four and then you can speak up until seven. So when it's, there's some people that have done it before, but in, in, I think there's a culture of like not trying to explain it to people too much and letting them discover it. And so what they, they what the kind of things they were saying is it's going to be tough. You'll find things that you really cling on to that really matter to you throughout the process and the noises that you hear of the lions is real. They are lions. Serious. <laughs> but the li- listen, bro, the, the, the lion feeding is every day at 5.45 a.m. and 5.45 wow. p.m. Yeah. Okay. So you're in bed yeah. meditating. Yeah. Or so you're probably meditating. And, and I'm, but it's not like, uh, it's not like a growl. It's like, it's like there's beef right now. So it's just it's multiple lions fighting yeah. over food and so it's super loud so anyway so so it's like lions are real and that's it man just you know time time is is, is interesting you become a relationship with time so at seven o'clock silence begins the gong goes but nothing really happens other than just like i think i think on the then there's like an induction so you do an induction you go to bed but you, you get woken up at four you get half an hour to get your life together you start meditating at four thirty a.m until 6.30 a.m. So that's a straight two hour. That is the best meditation of the day because basically you're like half asleep. And so being still and all those things is a lot easier. So you do two hours, then you have breakfast at 6.30, then that's an hour. 
And then at 7.30, you get an hour's rest in your room. Then at 8.30, you... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Do a group meditation with the whole group. And then uh, at 9.30, you go to your room and meditate for an hour and a half. And then at 11 o'clock, you go and have lunch, which is mad, because by then you've been up for like six, seven hours. So you go have lunch at 11. Then you get a rest at 12. And then you go, I think at one, you meditate in your room for an hour and a half. And then at 2.30, you have another group session. Then at 3.30, you have another meditation in your room for an hour and a half. Then at five is tea. And when I mean tea, it's literally tea. There's no dinner. So it's like a <laughs> cup of tea and fruit. Then at yeah. six, you come back. So it's that's five to six. And I think six, you meditate in your room. 7.30 for an hour and a half. From 7.30, you do another group session. Then you do a thing called a discourse where the teacher who runs the practice or, or, or he explains things concepts and pros and, and approaches to you to guide your training and your meditation and then there's another meditation for an hour and then you go bed at nine you go to your room at nine and, and bed by ten so you do that every Man. single day for ten days bro so eleven and a half days. hours of meditation yeah wild so that one of those martial art films where you go off into the mountains and come down <laughs> <and play. laughs> so you've actualized now basically that's that's, that's oh that's i'm a i'm a i'm a different person <laughs> that, that that person yeah. doesn't exist from then mm. With kids back at school and some normalcy returning, we're all keen to keep life moving. NHS Test and Trace are encouraging all adults in England to get tested twice a week using rapid COVID-19 tests. Helping to prevent around one in three people who have COVID-19 with no symptoms spread it without knowing. Family life is busy, but rapid testing is a fast and easy way to find out if you have coronavirus. With results in around 30 minutes, helping you to keep family life moving. You may even have seen your secondary school aged children testing twice a week already, so now is the time to join them. For more information and guidance on where to get testing kits, head online to nhs.uk forward slash get hyphen tested. The more of us that take part, the more we can help protect each other. 
Tempted by that brand new 221 Ford car. Really want to give in to the temptations. Rest assured, Ford Options has you covered with greater financial flexibility. All thanks to a low rate APR and up to a €1,500 deposit contribution, meaning you can drive off in a new 221 Ford Kuga or Puma on your terms. Tempted? Ford. Bring on tomorrow. Search Ford.ie. Lending criteria conditions apply. Participating dealers for selected models ordered by 31st of December and registered by 31st of March. Consumer hire purchased by Bank of Ireland Leasing Limited trading as Ford Credit. Dealer charges may apply. Ownership remains with Ford Credit until the final payment is made. What was really good? So like, I can tell you the phases that I went through, but I won't tell you the things that they teach you. So day one is like exciting, but scary because you're like, you have no idea what the hell this is. They could literally close the doors and then like everyone can get naked and you would be like, oh shit, I didn't, I didn't read the pamphlet properly. (laughs) (laughs) So at that point, anything could happen. So, you know, you're just monitoring and staring at stuff and like, what does that mean? Who's moving? What's going on? Uh, And then day two, you realize you started and there's a lot of days to go. There's no hiding. So day two is a bit slower and you're a bit grumbly because the newness is gone and the, and the t- task ahead is there. Day three, my mind was just rejecting everything that was going on. I want to go home. Okay. Okay. I see. I, I get I'm it now. I'm glad you said that as well because I think that would happen. Like, as you're intellectualizing, you're thinking, nah, this is, this is foolishness. But it is your body just rebelling to what, what and, your, and your mind rebelling to what's going on, I guess. Yeah. Get me the hell out of it. Yeah. Why am I here? Yeah. This is a terrible <laughs> idea. And what's really interesting is my brother-in-law was the voice in my head. Because I know he's done this. And he's someone that he's done a lot of work. He's been meditating for 10, 12 years or whatever. And he's just a G. Like he's a G, he's such a G. And, I, and more so, I wanted just to talk to him about it in completion. And so that's what kept me there for about five days when I wanted to go home. So day three, I want to go home. I'm starting to have little dizzy spells, but mainly I just want to go home. Day four was okay. Because I just like, when you have a day that's really, really bad, the day after is a bit more acceptance. So I started to accept. Day five now, I'm like, oh, I'm halfway. You perk up. <gasps> I'm halfway. I've done it. I've done five days. But, <laughs> but also, like, I, every time I, I, like, day five still means you have six days to go because you have to include that day five as a day. So you're not actually halfway yet. But oh, I'm gassed. Right. <laughs> I'm gassed. I've done it. So, but then day yeah. six was like, Half of that, but you're still going back down into a low. You're like, man, there's still a lot of days to go. Day seven now, holy niche. I'm like hallucinating. I'm dizzy. I'm seeing lions everywhere, bro. Because I've now heard lions every twice a day sure, for the, yeah, like the lions are free in my head. They're like roaming around <laughs> us. And I'm like, yeah. are they going to get me? I'm seeing my kids. I'm seeing like people that like I was friends with 10 years ago. I'm seeing like ex-girlfriends and I'm just like, all these people I'm ringing when I get the hell out of it. Cause I need to just double check on them. Are they okay? So I'm just seeing projections everywhere. I feel like my arms are like moving when they're not. Um, and I couldn't sleep because like the way the teacher explained it was just like your mind is fighting the structure you're trying to give it. And so it's now projecting things at you to like tell you to run, to flee. Um, sure. And then obviously I sat it's down like and said, I'm, yeah. yeah, and it's like, it started giving you really powerful feelings. And I was like, actually, you realize that if you think about that, then you think about the habits you have and how deep ingrained they are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because this is seven days in. Yeah. So clearly like your brain is pushing you into behaviors 
really violently and you've got to be really mindful of that. So anyway, so day eight is like, I'm recovering again from this hallucination, which was really, really violent. So I'm just glad to not be as bad as I was the day before. Day nine, I can see finishing line. So I'm gassed now. Day nine, yeah. I'm going home. This is amazing. I've done it. You know, like it's like shadow boxing, like, yeah, yeah, I can yeah, do it. Um, <laughs> and then day 10 isn't a full day. The day 10 is like wrapping up of the process. There's some final bits of education. There's some methods that they teach you in the end. You know, you start to like just learn a bit more about them. And then by like four o'clock, you can start talking again. So now we're talking to the, to the, to the, to the, to the guys only women and men and women are separated throughout all of this. And we're, we're, we're talking about it and two guys left throughout the process. And in a weird way, you could tell it was coming. Like a defeated man, you know, in his eyes, it was almost like seeing a hurricane. It's beautiful, but also shit. Like yeah, there's a hurricane yeah, sure. and I'm yeah, seeing man, them you know, when you watch like Bear grills or, you know, I'm a celebrity or something. You can just see the ones that are broken and they're about to yeah. give up. And then mm. as soon as the opportunity presents itself, yeah, they, they bow out. So day two, we lost a guy. Day four, we lost a guy. Shouts to them because I, you know, you, everyone went to the depths of, of their actual being. And the thing that really left with me after we started speaking to everybody is how much men want it, but they don't get any credit for it. And it's really difficult to sell that into people because men in terms of engaging other men are really bad at it, like in a healthy way and in a loving way. And women are just fed up. So by and large, they're just like, hurry up and do your fucking work because you're killing us. You're raping us. You're, you know, under, underemploying us. I ain't got time to sit there for your micro steps, which is fair. It's, it's the reality. But the thing is, the men that are then doing that work don't have a safety and a connection for the work that they're doing. And so they end up sometimes backtracking. But so we do have to create intentional spaces where men can go and do this stuff and be supported and be celebrated for, for the progress that they make as human beings. Because I think that's a really important thing as a part of, yeah, yes, you do it for yourself, but you got to, you got, you, it's nice when you have those things. It's an extra layer of support, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think, like you said as well, it's counterintuitive. Like if everything, every fiber of your being rebels because of that programming we've had. So it does, it, you know, it takes a strong willpower to stick at it and to commit to it because otherwise you're just going to default back to what you, what you know, what you traditionally do. Yeah. And, and I feel like, um, this, and I think this is something that's about all of our programming and, and, it, and I, and I wish I started this stuff a lot younger because I think there was probably a 10 year period of where I thought I was doing it right, but I probably wasn't. And, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying criticizing, but I just think the value of, of, of being aware of this kind of thing earlier, you know, you can start to erode some things that you develop as an adult when you're, when you're just testing stuff out. Um, so anyway, so I, you know, I, I did that 10 day program and I came out and peace was, was, was with me in a way that I'd, I've never known it. So a distinct difference from how you went in to how you came out. You could, you could feel the difference. Marv, like I, 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 I've never known peace ever. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Like I don't, I don't, and I've never been still. Sure. Yeah. At any point. And the idea of being alone by myself used to drive me into like to do anything. That's probably why I was doing so much. Like if I had a day off, I would create something. You're like, well, why? And it's just like, no, because I got space and I can, I, you know, I can do more. And, and the thing is, for me, I have enough information to start something and enough 
don't give a fuck button to just push through and make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Those two things can be quite dangerous because if you, if you justify it to yourself, there's no rules in terms of like stopping. I, I don't have a fear that says that, oh, maybe this will, maybe people won't like it. I'm like, no, no, no. If I feel that this is something that's attached to my values, my way of being, I'm off. I don't, I'm not seeking permission. So I think sometimes, you know, filling space unnecessarily is a really, really problematic thing. And I, I learned to sit still and not have a thing to do, not have any conversation because there's no phones, there's no writing, there's no music, yeah. there's no TV, there's no, oh, audio, there's nothing. Wow. Yeah. Like there's nothing. So would you say, were you even talking to yourself or was that all in your head as well? Were you not, literally not speaking, not verbal for the whole 10 days? Bro, a couple of times I'm talking to myself, you find yourself talking to yourself, like busting your own little moves in yourself. And I think, I, I, I realised how, how strong my, my brain is. So, so in the, in my, in, in my mind, because the year had been so intense, I had some, I had just had some really negative feelings towards some things and some people when I was, it was really strong in there. And that was the number one voice. And then I needed to speak to my EA because I needed to leave the country the day after I got out. Cause I was like, I'm going home the day I leave here. So, um, and I hadn't planned it cause I didn't know what I was going to be doing. So I was like, I'm speaking to my EA and I couldn't get hold of her. So then. I, I rang, I rang my wife and my kids. I was like, can you just tell this to my ear? Cause I can't, they're watching me on the phone like this, like staring sure. at me like, who are you talking to? How long are you talking to him for? So I had to give her everything. Like, you know, I'm so sorry. And, uh, you know, I, can you please give her this message? I hope everyone's all right. You hang up. And, but then because I spoke to my wife and kids, my, the thoughts in my, my brain changed. So for two days, Oh, I was seeing positivity and love. And okay, right. I was yeah. seeing like, you know, my kids frolicking in the grass while I'm like, sure, you know, yeah. calling them in for supper. All these things in my <laughs> brain changes. So I realized that who you speak to, how you speak to them, for how long okay, changes your brain pattern. And so now I protect that also extremely violently because when I have peaceful, loving conversations, oh my gosh, oh, you know, you start... <laughs> Is it, is it extra sunny outside today? You start changing your outfits. All those things go through your mind. Your diet changes. You're like, oh, I have some vegetables, please. Just some, have you got anything vegetarian? Like your mind just changes. And so it's interesting how much you rely on certain cravings to get you through times that are challenging. And so that can be food. That can be sex. That can be yeah. uh, chocolate. It could be all these different things. It's like different coping mechanisms. That you yeah. Use. Yeah. Alcohol, like, you know, talking to people that you think will probably make you feel good right now. They'll probably say sure, nice things yeah. to you. And that shapes so much stuff, but it's not really authentic. So you just got to manage that and sit and learn to sit in it. So anyway, so I come out and I'm like making my way home by Egypt, but I'm still realizing that there's things from the old world that haven't really caught up or aware of like where I'm at. And they're trying to engage me like it was sure, three months yeah. ago. And I, like, yo, one time I wrote one mad email, bro. I was like, hi, it sounds like you're trying to give me the gift of, I think it was like the gift of, um, disrespect. And I, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to let you know that I am choosing to not accept this gift. I wish you all the best and I wish you peace. And I sent that bitch. I didn't have any afterthought. I was just like, oh, you're trying to send me. Okay, cool. So excuse me, sir. <laughs> just like, and, and, I, and I started dealing with people in that way and just not having conversations that I didn't need to have. And then you cut your whole connection points down because in my phone, I have four and a half thousand phone numbers. And every day I get about a thousand WhatsApp messages, minimum. 
And so my contact points and including, I know I've been including Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn is wild. So I realized that I'm just this, I'm just too spread thin. There's way too many communications. I need a structure and I need people to help me run that structure in a really like powerful way. Because in, in many ways, what I was doing is, is I had, I had about 17 reports direct relationship of stakeholders that I was working with every single day. And, and I'm, I'm running probably 60 projects, you know? And so it, it, they were never going to be successful. It was never going to work. And this is why people have these really strict structures. Like you, you report into this person, this person reports into you, and then that core group of people feed you information. And a part of me was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I like people, man. And I do love people. Like I, I fucking love people. And so for me, I was like, this is, that's not fun to do it that way. And I was like, yeah, but that's because it's not about being fun. It's about being efficient. And so I broke myself. And then because I didn't have empathy, when I'm making adjustments, it doesn't land with people. They're like, yeah, but you just had me at your house for dinner two months ago. And, you know, it's a massive, massive adjustment. And I don't really know where it's going to land. But I think I had to sign up to the idea that everything I have in my life right now could leave. Like, I don't want it to leave, but it could. Because if I, if I try to hold it all together, I think it will get me back to where I was. And I'm not, I'm not going back. That sounds like I'm, I, I, I was kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> in Iran or something. But it also sounds like you're not you're not allowing it to define you. Like you're not allowing what you do to define you. What defines you is who you are, which mm. I guess is how it should be. But like like we've said, we're programmed this way, so we're so used to being conditioned in this type of way that we just accept that as normal and we yeah. don't ever challenge it. But you yeah. spent a solid ten days of challenging that notion, and now you've come back like Neo from the Matrix, and you're just yeah, you're you're in you're in 2025, or you're just you're you're light years ahead of us. <laughs> I'm 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 ready. I, like I'm still deconstructing, and I, and I'm and I yeah. also I haven't come up with a really tidy bow as to surmise what that experience was and what it meant. I will say that I would advise any and everyone to do it, men and women, or people of all ages. I think meditation is one of the most vital tools that I've ever discovered because it, it it does clear the palate, and I'm moving at a much slower pace, a much simpler life. Like there's, there's things that I do that I don't even people even, I, I don't think anyone fully know. Vanessa, my EA might be the closest to know the amount of things that I was doing. I don't think any single person knows the stuff that I do. Cause I, I do show up to a lot of things and a lot of people more, more so because I just have a belief in blackness. Yeah, bro. It's just, I've just gone into a mad one for an hour. I don't even, I don't even know if this is useful to anybody at this point. I'm just now no, sh- I mean, slightly talking it, to I think, you. I think it. I think, no, I think it's amazing. I think even just to hear it, because you, like you said at the beginning, that like men don't do this. You know, mm. we don't go through these transformational processes. And I feel like, I, I don't exactly know exactly why that is, but it's, it's something that we need to do. And it might not always be a 10-day retreat, but we need to have that silence and that stillness and that meditation as well. I was even reading 50 Cent's book um, mm. over the last week. And again, he meditates. He said that, you know, mm. he was speaking to... Um, I can't remember who it was that he was speaking to, but there was someone anyway that he referenced that he spoke to and they gave him a mantra and said, you should meditate. And now that's something he does every day. And even mm. in my head, I'm thinking, what, 50 cent meditating? But you know, <laughs> he does it and, it, and it and it adds value to his life. So, you know, it is really important. That's really, really powerful, man. What about you, though? Have you have you had these types of transformation or these moments where you've like tried to to take these things? Is your midlife crisis come yet, or is it coming? If it's coming, <laughs> well, I'm here, it's bro. Probably, it's probably on its way. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna reach out to you definitely. <laughs> I think even when I've been transforming, I probably think I'm more transformed than I am. Like I think, okay, cool, I'm the finished article. 
two months later, a year later, something else happens. And I think, you know what, shit, I've still got room. I've still got growth to do. And so it's, it's an ever, you know, ever developing journey. But I've had therapy. Um, I've done a lot of introspection. I feel like I've separated myself from like a lot of Western ideals at different points in my life. Mm. Um, even friendship groups, because, you know, there's a point when you're younger that you're doing something that your friends are doing. So you're going to the gym. You know, you're, you're, you're pursuing a particular interest, a sport or a hobby because your friends are doing it. But then you go through that process where, well, not everyone does, but I went through that process of I'm prepared to go myself, by myself. And then when more people want to know about it, they can ask me and I'm that point of contact. I can mm. direct them into doing it. Whereas, yeah, in my younger years, if the mandem are going, then you're going. But if it's something you're doing by yourself, you're not going to do by yourself. So, yeah, I've gone through that, that kind of process, but I know there's still a lot to do. There's still a long way to go in terms of my own personal development. And I think that's the way I like to see it, that it is a journey, that it's not one particular destination. Mm. Where I can turn around and say I've arrived, but there's that continuous journey. And it is about taking those lessons as and when you can. Mm. Because if you reject the process or if you reject the learning opportunity, you're just going to repeat it again. It's just going to come around in a different form. Yeah. Do you know what's really, really important? So this 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 came into my mind about a year ago, actually, and I never really shared it, but... I, I, I realize that many people have an understanding of spirituality, their soul, the voice in their head. Uh, we had this conversation in the group once and one of the guys was like, the voice in my head is me. And look, I, I, I need to be very mindful. Not, I don't want to be disrespectful to people's processes and understanding because no one really knows the answer, but work has been done in terms of these things. And the, the framework that I use, use it is, is that it's not me. I don't, I don't sign up to the idea that the voice in my head is me speaking. It's an echo in my view. And so I think some people, especially men as well, because of the, the, the isolation at times or the solitude of masculinity have sat there and had conversations with this voice in their head, in their head, talking back and forth to it and come to a conclusion. And they, they believe that that's the, they work and they believe that that's the conclusion of the point. But ultimately you're dealing with echoes of your experiences. So like when, if your mum and dad yell at you when you're five and say, you know, put the cookie down, you're, you're fat. And then you're trying to have a conversation with yourself in your head about, you know, how do I look today? The fat voice is usually somebody that meant something to you that said that once projected into your mind. This is my understanding. And so sometimes people feel like they've, they've, they've come to conclusions on their own based on having conversations in their head. And my only invitation is not to make, make that wrong. Cause I, you know, I, I don't have a definitive answer in terms of like the science says. I'm just saying try different frameworks around, you know, self development, self control, self care. And, and just visit them. So as you can say, I think we spoke about a concept in a group about Jahari's window. And the idea is you've got like your knowns, your known unknowns, your, your, um, things that other people know about you and mm. then things you just don't know. And, mm. it, and it's, that's what you need to figure out. And it's like you said, it's who's that voice in your head? What is it saying? Where mm. does it come from? Because it affects us. You know, we, we listen to it, but we don't realize. And you need to, you need to analyze that. And, and therapy is very helpful at understanding those unknown unknowns in your life. And bringing yeah. them to the surface so you can work through them. Well, and then what's scary about that is, it's almost like you know your your emotions are driven usually by the voice in your head. And so, you know, someone says something, you feel it. The feeling becomes a voice. The voice then becomes a enhanced feeling, 
uh, like you almost verify it in your echo and then you know and then that can become an action or something you say like that process because I think the feeling comes first and then you're because like your 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 mind is reacting to senses yeah. that your body has yeah. And then it's like tells you like, oh, they don't think you're this. And you say that sentence in your head. You start to rationalize it. Yeah, definitely. And then your body gets more angry or more sad or more nervous. And then that act turns into an action or something that you say. And often ask questions if you don't know. Like it's such a powerful thing. And this sounds really patronizing. But like sometimes like uh, let's just say someone comes to you and, and someone says, ah, oh, I heard that Marvin hates the other Marvin on the podcast. He, he just can't, he doesn't like his contributions, yeah? And so then you turn up to the podcast and you're like, "Raw, Marvin doesn't like my podcast. And you, you know, there was one time, like, you start look, looking for evidence. and the only connect the dots and stuff, yeah. Yeah, you ignore every phone call I made to you and be like, I love doing a podcast with you. And now you only remember, you know, the time that I was like late 10 minutes. And now it's like, yeah, you don't respect me, bro. Because you turn up late that time, and, you know, and so you build evidence on that basis. And then now you're on the podcast with me in the present. And I'm just like, yo, and you're like, nah, because you don't rate me. And you're acting this out now. And I'm like, wow, Marvin's acting weird. And then I act weird. And so we're both acting weird. And if one of us at any point of being conscious of it, because not only you could have at the point someone said that, Marvin, you don't like me on the podcast now, because I won't be on it if you don't like me, which is a simple conversation. And I, and I'm, I'm like, wow, Marvin's being funny today. Marvin just asks you, like, are you all right? Is everything cool? I'll be just like, wow, he's being funny. All right, cool. Well, then fuck it then. All right, so this is Don't Let That Podcast Money's Man. You know, and then, yeah. and then we're like, you know, we're not good right now. And I, and I feel like that happens so often. Um, and, and you know what's, fun, what's funny about that to me? I think, because I, I sometimes describe myself as being confrontational, but not in a negative way, exactly how you described it as confronting an issue or a, or a presumed issue in front of us. Whereas I think if you do the, if you do the alternative and you say, okay, I'm not going to be confrontational, it, it lives in your head rent free and you're just playing it over and over again. And like you said, you're looking at every little cue and you're assuming that there's a deeper meaning behind it and you're getting yourself angry for no reason. When if you just confronted the issue, like you just said, have you got a problem with me? And that person says, no, it's over. Whereas mm. if you just sit on it for months, it just festers in the back of your mind. And even if they didn't have a problem with you, now you've got a problem with them and that, mm. that's become a real issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Powerful, man. Anyway, bro, sorry, we went way over, man. It was only meant to be doing no, no, <laughs> yeah, 50 cool, minutes. It was good. I, I've been, I, feel like I, went, I feel like I went on a retreat now. It's definitely something I'm going to look into. I'm going to do that for myself. Please do, do it over man. here as well, or do I have to go to the Lions? To, no, to no. You, I, I, would, I would say do it somewhere where it's more spiritual because I, I think it aligns in a different way. Obviously, I did mine in Western Cape, South Africa. They obviously do this all over the world. They do it across the whole continent, but they also do it in like Indonesia, uh, all across Asia as well. But if you can't, if you haven't got it, don't sit there and try and make it a big deal. Uh, go, do go and do that. And so uh, I think there's one somewhere in the Midlands, I believe. All right. Okay. Um, it's a really nice center as well, actually. But yeah, no, I, I think I think it's something that everyone should do. But more just like find your thing that brings you peace and and go and do it. And I don't mean like go play golf. I mean like things that have uh, a, a framework attached because I think that's the important part. Is that most of us live without a framework? Some people use religion, which is a is a is sure, a good start. Yeah. But I think where where religion has limitations is that it's been interpreted from an interpretation of an interpretation of interpretation of interpretation. Most of these teachings have been preserved in the exact same way uh, that they were designed in the very beginning, uh, and they're just more directionally. It's not about the stories. 
Because th- and I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't, I don't know much about religion anyway. But from what I understand, when I read the Bible, it felt like lots of situations that they teach you what you should do and the moral of the story is. Sure. But the thing about that is, is that when you try to apply it in modern day context, it doesn't always directly transfer over. Yeah, and so subjective as well. Yeah. Whereas like the framework is just more, it's universal. And then you apply it to every situation. And so I think sometimes those things are clearer. And that's what I found. I don't, I don't want to speak for other people. It really, really clear for me. It was like one set of rules. You ask yourself these five questions in every scenario. If you're being these things, then you can be at peace with it. And if you're not being those things, then you have to repair on that basis of the thing that you're not being. And it just, I just found that revolutionary at 30 because it meant that I knew exactly what to ask myself every single time. And I didn't need to like, you know, chase for approval around from other people. Yeah, I mean, no, that sounds dope. That's dope. And I'm sure, as you, you know, as we were saying, I think many people listen to this and it'll be an awakening to them because... I suppose what it says is you need to be selfish to heal mm. because you can't serve others until you've taken care of yourself. Yeah. And so sometimes, although we're being the martyr and we're making the sacrifices, ultimately we're depleting our own resource. And yeah, we want to be effective. We need to go away, recharge and come back at our, at our fighting best. Yeah, real talk, man. Well, bro, thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, it, it, it allowed me to to really share that stuff I don't think I've really told many people much about it so it's been it's been nice to to, to share it out loud so I appreciate it no man I enjoyed it man thank you for sharing love bro and so thank you guys for listening I really much appreciate it we'll be back next week with another episode uh, you can find us at at Dope Black Dads on all social media platforms you can also email me for a chat at hello at dopeblackdads.com thank you so much for listening my brothers I appreciate you all Uh, we'll be back next week with kids back at school and some normalcy returning we're all keen to keep life moving NHS Test and Trace are encouraging all adults in England to get tested twice a week using rapid COVID-19 tests. Helping to prevent around one in three people who have COVID-19 with no symptoms spread it without knowing. Family life is busy, but rapid testing is a fast and easy way to find out if you have coronavirus. With results in around 30 minutes, helping you to keep family life moving. You may even have seen your secondary school aged children testing twice a week already, so now is the time to join them. For more information and guidance on where to get testing kits, head online to nhs.uk forward slash get hyphen tested. The more of us that take part, the more we can help protect each other. We've all had time to think, to figure stuff out, what we like and don't like about our jobs, our careers. Maybe you don't want to go back to the office or that four-hour commute. Or maybe you never want to work from home again. At Irish Jobs, we believe everyone should be free to choose the job that fits their lives, whether you want to step up, step down, or even try something completely new. Choose the life that you want. Visit irishjobs.ie Christmas is coming, and the countdown has begun. With luxurious treasures for everyone on your gift list, Kildare Village has the season of giving all wrapped up. Discover spectacular savings from more than 100 designer brands in one beautiful open-air setting. Enjoy complimentary parking and something delicious from gorgeous restaurants and exciting pop-ups under starlit skies. Christmas wishes come true at Kildare Village. Something extraordinary every day. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.